And so the Trinity describes the fact that God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit are three co-equal. Matter of fact, let's say that together. Read it with me. The Trinity describes the fact that God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit are three co-equal, co-eternal, co-divine persons and one divine essence. Well done, theologians. You may not have a clue what it means, but well done, theologians. Now, I, uh, the relationship to each other exists in, in a relationship that St. John of Damascus called the, the perichoresis. Perichoresis, which is really kind of his word that says holy movement or divine dance. The relationship of God in heaven was always a movement, uh, a dance between God the Father and God the Son and God the Holy Spirit. So that they worked in unison to accomplish this, not only their purpose as one, but the purposes of each ministry that each one has. Now, some people will try to say, well, here's how the Trinity works. It was God in the Old Testament, Jesus now, or Jesus in the New Testament, and the Holy Spirit now. That's a, that's a form of modalism, and that's, that's not right. It is three co-equal, co-eternal, co-divine beings in one divine essence, that work in conjunction together in that holy motion, in that holy dance. Now, now here's what my Baptist heritage did, all right? Here's, here's how it went. Those of you who are of that Baptist heritage, you can kind of amen here. We would go, God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. We just didn't know what to do with the Holy Spirit. And we go, God the Father, my church would amen. We go, God the Son, my church would amen. It was like, God the Holy Spirit. We didn't know what to do. Add kind of not insult the injury, but if you use the King James Bible, instead of using the phrase Holy Spirit, it used the phrase the Holy Ghost. Now, if you're a kid running around turning all the lights off for your dad in church on the way out the door, and your pastor's just preached the message on the Holy Ghost, you turn the lights out quickly and get out of there. We, we don't quite understand nor know what to do with this phrase, the Holy Spirit. It's kind of like the little boy. Uh, there was three boys, or there's a class of people, and they were catechisms. They were learning the, uh, the Apostles' Creed. And one boy, his line was, I believe in God, the Father, creator of heaven and earth. And the second boy said, I believe in Jesus Christ, his only son. And when he completed his sentence, there was this embarrassing silence. Nobody said anything. And so finally, another little boy spoke up and he said, teacher, the little boy who believes in the Holy Spirit isn't here anymore. Well, sometimes that's like us Baptist folks. We, we're big on God the Father, we're big on God the Son, but we're strangely quiet or absent on this, holy, on this wonderful thing of the Holy Spirit. And I believe that the Holy Spirit, if he were to say anything to us today, especially those of us from a Baptist persuasion, he would say this. He would say, I am a person, stop ignoring me. I am a person of the Trinity Stop ignoring me. See, the Holy Spirit is not just an influence. And a lot of us talk about him in that kind of, kind of vein, don't we? 
Like, like the Holy Spirit, he pours into me like he's, a, like he's a liquid and we're a jug and we're a receptacle to, to that. And we talk about us being an empty vessel and having the Spirit poured into us. Or sometimes we talk about the Holy Spirit as, a, as this power plug and our power source. And he's kind of the connector between us and God the Father or between us and God the Son. And we just kind of leave him out of the whole power thing. All he is is an extension cord. But he, and, and I get that, but he's more than that. Some people, when they refer to the Holy Spirit of God, they don't really know kind of the, the, the right pronoun to use. So instead of referring to it as a he, you know, the third person of the Trinity with God the Father and God the Son and God the Holy Spirit, people will go say, well, it is a good thing. Well, the Holy Spirit is a great thing. He is part of that blessed Trinity. He is part of that, that paracloris. He is part of that holy dance, that divine movement of God. He's part of that great redemption plan and an atoning work of God that stretches from well before time even began to long after time will end. The Holy Spirit of God. He's the third person of the Trinity. He's, his responsibilities are not limited to, but you could say that some of them are comforting, guiding, convicting, illuminating. But the first time he makes a real appearance. I mean, his first like full-fledged appearance in the church, it is associated with empowering. The Holy Spirit, and rightly so, is associated with power. Now, God the Father has just as much power as God the Holy Spirit and vice versa, and, and, and you know how that, that dance or that trinity works. I just simply want to tell you that the first mention of the Holy Spirit in the context of the church is one of great power. Turn to the book of Acts chapter 1. Acts, if you don't know, is the third longest book in the New Testament. The author is Luke. He's a physician. He's a historian. He wrote the Gospel of Luke. You put Acts and Luke together, and they make up 30% of the New Testament. He's an important New Testament figure. It was written about 60, 65 AD. He's a Gentile believer. Now, Jesus has died. Matter of fact, if, if you really want to read the book of Acts, start with the book of Luke and then go right into the book of Acts. Because it's just the continuation of it. Look at verse 4. So on one occasion... While he was eating with them, he gave this commandment. Do not leave Jerusalem, but wait for the gift of my father, which you have heard me speak about. He said, don't leave Jerusalem, but wait for the gift. Well, they understood what that gift was. It wasn't new language. It wasn't new terminology for them. If you flip back to Luke chapter 24 and verse 49, it talks about how we would be endued if you have a King James Version, or clothed with power or the gift that comes from on high. They understood that this gift was coming and the condition of receiving the gift was to wait in Jerusalem. Evidently, there was kind of some shifting and going in and out, but they were supposed to wait in Jerusalem. And the promise was that the Holy Spirit would give them a unique power to the Christians in fulfilling the mission that God had left the church. The Holy Spirit would say to us today, 
He said, I am the one that gives you the opportunity and the responsibility to enjoy this promise, this gift, this power. Stop ignoring me, the Holy Spirit would say. Matter of fact, this Holy Spirit always seems to be in connection with sharing the gospel. As you would read through the book of Acts, he always appears when the gospel is going out. Now, he's aware or he's, uh, he appears at other places and points in time in the Acts narrative. I get that. But he appears when we share the gospel. He would show up. When Peter would preach, the Holy Spirit came down. When Paul would preach, the Holy Spirit showed up. When Philip did his, Holy Spirit showed up. Anytime the work of God went forward and the gospel message was going out and people were engaged in fulfilling the great commission, the power of God would come down because the Holy Spirit of God wants to draw all men to God the Father. And the only way to get to God the Father is through the Son, Jesus Christ. And so the Holy Spirit, And so Acts chapter 5, or chapter 1, verse 4, he says, I give you the promise. And then verse 5, he identifies what the promise is. For John baptized with water, but in a few days, you'll be baptized with the Holy Spirit. Now, this wasn't an absolutely new concept. It would just become in a fuller and more complete way. The Holy Spirit does make appearances, and there are several references to the Holy Spirit in the Old Testament. Jesus Christ would allude to the Holy Spirit, especially in John 10 and 14 and 16 and 17 and other Gospels as well. This concept of the Holy Spirit was not new to the Jew nor to Jesus' disciples. But the experience of it, the fullness of it, the power was going to be a brand new experience like none other. And then if you look at verse 6, they go, okay, Lord, we're all excited about this power thing. They understood it had power to it. And now when are you going to restore your kingdom? As if they wanted to kind of institute some kind of religious jihad. Listen, I want you to understand something, church. We are not engaged In the, quote, military holy war, we are not jihadists. You understand that? We are not out to overthrow any government of any country of the world. We are out to defeat the enemy, Satan, and do battle for the souls of men and women and boys and girls. It is completely different. Now, I know a lot of people think the world's going to end because of certain leaders in certain places all across the globe. And I'm telling you, the world's going to go on until God said enough is enough. And until enough is enough, you and I have been endued with power. We've been clothed with power from on high to share the gospel of Jesus Christ to those who need to hear it. Matter of fact, I would almost guarantee you, if you think about the church services where the power of God was so thick that you could cut it with a knife, I can almost guarantee you the Holy Spirit was dealing with somebody's eternal soul. The Holy Spirit always shows up when we get the gospel out. Acts chapter 1 and verse 8 says this. But you will receive power. You shall receive power. And the Holy Ghost, that's King James, the Holy Spirit, comes on you and you're going to be witnesses. 
You're not going to be theologians. You're not going to be church growth experts. You're not going to be Bible college graduates. You're going to be witnesses. You're simply going to tell what you've experienced, what you've seen. And the main thing that they were to be witnesses of was the resurrection of Jesus Christ. I'm telling you, that is the central point and the pivotal point of our faith in, Jesus, in Christianity. Is did Jesus rise again from the dead? And boy, when we share that message, man, the Holy Spirit goes out like none other. You want to talk about power. You start sharing the gospel. You start witnessing. You start telling your friends and neighbors. And I'm telling you, the Holy Spirit shows up. You say, oh, I'm scared. Power overcomes that. You say, what if I mess up? You probably will. The Holy Spirit overcomes that too. The Holy Spirit shows up. Can you imagine the ministry of those early apostles? They knock on the door, knock, 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 and they open the door and says, Hi, my name is Peter. I'm an apostle. You're in a what? It doesn't matter. I'll explain that later. I'm a believer in Jesus Christ. Oh, I've heard about that fella. Yes, 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 yes. From Down from Nazareth way. That's right. Yeah. Mary was his mother, correct. And who was his father? Well, that, that gets a little hard to explain, sir, because you see his, 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 his father's God. His father's who? Well, his, his, I'll explain that later. Well, now, I understand he, he, he was a good man. Well, yes, sir, he was a good man, fed 5,000 people, healed the blind, raised the dead. Even here, Jairus' daughter, I'm sure you've heard about Jairus. Everybody in these parts have heard about Jairus. And, sir, you know, the greatest thing he did is he died on the cross for your sins. He did. He was the lamb led to the slaughter. That's a great story. Thank you very much. And before he closed the door, you said, but wait, there's more. They buried him in another guy's tomb. Yeah, I think his name was Josephus. Maybe Nicodemus. We're not sure, but I heard that rumor going around Jerusalem. No, sir, there's more. Well, I heard the women went down and they, they prepared his body. And, and, and I heard that. And no, sir, there's more. Well, you're not going to tell me that myth, that story that he rose again. And he looks at him with all the boldness the Holy Spirit can pour into a soul. And says, yes, sir, it's true because I've seen it. You talk about a message. You say, well, I'm not an apostle. No, but you're all witnesses. For me, the story began when I was seven years old, and I was a, a, just a, a stinking little kid, not very much taller than I am now or shorter than I am now. And huh, You know, I'm at that phase of life where I'm the incredible shrinking man, you know. And Jesus Christ saved my soul, and at 16, I started preaching the, the gospel of Jesus Christ, and all I've been trying to do is be a witness to what Jesus has done, that he saved my soul. You say, well, you were seven. It's not much. You don't do much wrong. It's seven. I'm telling you, it takes just as much the grace of God to save me as it does the vilest sinner in America. The Holy Spirit. See, what happens to us a lot of times is that there is a difference between getting a blessing from God and getting power from God. In the context of the church, many of you come here week after week. 
and, and we have great music, great messages, great people, great ministries, and you come here and you're moved and you're blessed by the singing and you're, you're moved and you're blessed by the ministries, you're moved and you're blessed by the teaching of God's word, and you assume that those blessings are the power that you need. The blessing might be an overflow of the power But a blessing is a gift from God because they're simply his blessings to bestow. And when the church meets together and worships together and prays together and preaches together and serves together, God's promises, God promises to show up and be with us. And he promises to bless the church with his presence. And so you come to church a lot of times and you feel good. But you don't really leave changed. And you don't really leave empowered. Used to, we had a desire to change the world. Christians, that is. Used to, we'd weep over those who are dying and going to hell. I remember as a kid, we had a, we had a revival one night and Guy got so burdened for his family, he just, he ran to the altar and prayed and prayed and prayed and got up and literally screamed at the preacher. Now, I'm telling you, if you've been to church all your life and somebody jumps up and screams at the preacher, that'll get your attention in a revival meeting. This guy jumped up, screamed at the preacher and said, don't you leave till I get back. And he left. I'll be honest, if you do that to me today, Joe Wilson will close out the service. I don't know what I'd do. I remember my pastor, he stayed there. 8.30 came and went, 9.9 came and went, 8.9.30 came and went, and about quarter to 10, that daddy came back with his boy. And dad and son knelt down at an altar of prayer, and that boy gave his heart to Jesus Christ. I'm telling you, when when you share the gospel, God pours out his power on you. And I know there's there's other avenues. This isn't a, I'm just focusing on, on this one part of the message, but I'm just simply telling us when the gospel goes out, God blesses. And then there's this overflow of blessing in your life to other areas. Man, if your spiritual life has been weak and anemic, you don't need a blessing, you need power. You don't need to feel good on Sunday morning. You need somebody to witness to on Monday morning. God's power. God's power is not blessing. Most of us settle for blessing when a blessing is simply a taste of what his power could be in our heart and our life. If we're going to change a nation, if we're going to change the world, we have to choose that holy dance, that divine motion. We have to choose to dance with God, to get in on what he's doing, and, and to be a part of it. If we're going to change the world, we've got to be more concerned with power than blessing. See, I think that many of us come to get a blessing so we feel good about ourselves, and that's entirely different than coming to church, dancing with God, so we can involve in what he's doing around the world. Listen, the Holy Spirit is the third person of the church. Trinity, he is a third person of the Godhead, and he is saying, church, stop ignoring me. There's power 
in his name. Matter of fact, an important question then becomes, so how do you get this power? And I'm going to make it real simple because that's who I am and what I do. I'm going to make it real simple. First of all, if you're going to receive this power, you have to be a Christ follower. You have to be a Christian. You have to exercise your faith and give your heart and life to Jesus Christ. See, there was this guy in the Old Testament. When he saw the powers of the early apostles, again, as the message of the gospel was going out and miracles were happening as the message of the gospel was going out. Read it. It's in the book of Acts. And lives were being touched and changed and the whole city began to follow them because the message of the gospel was going out. This guy pulls out his wallet, starts bringing out the Benjamins and saying, okay, how can I buy this power? And the apostle responded back to him, you can't buy it. It's a free gift. Luke 24, 49, Acts chapter 1 and verse 4, Acts chapter 1 and verse 5, Acts chapter 1 and verse 8. It is a free gift to those who believe in Jesus Christ. See, a lot of people, your lives are messed up, your home's messed up, your relationship with the Lord isn't where it should be, where it needs to be. You've sinned and you need to ask forgiveness for the wrong stuff that you've done and the sinful things that you've done. You need to enter into this relationship with Jesus Christ because he is a person too. You need to give him your heart. Confess, old-fashioned biblical word, but we need to confess our sins. Romans chapter 10, verses 9 and 8 and 9, we need to confess our sins, for with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. We just simply need to agree with God that we're sinners, that we're messed up, and we keep on messing it up. And we're not going to get it right nor make it right until we have a right relationship with Jesus Christ and the Holy Spirit's power working in our heart and working in our life. The second thing, not only is faith, but, but there needs to be con- some kind of involvement in, in Great Commission service. There needs to be some kind, of, some kind of participation in getting the gospel out. It's interesting to me that when people got saved in the New Testament, they didn't go back home all the time and go, how can I straighten out my marriage? They went back and said, how can I tell my wife so that she'll know Jesus too? When the Philippian jailer in Acts chapter 16, when when he had beaten Paul and Silas and at midnight in the earthquake and the the doors of the jailhouse opened and he was going to kill himself because all the prisoners had left but Paul and Silas thought they were going to leave and so he thought that, you know, his superior would, or supervisor would kill him so he thought he would just do it in and Paul said, stop, do thyself no harm. What did the Philippian jailer do? He took him to his house because he wanted his house. He wanted his sons and his daughters, his wife. He wanted his mom and his dad. He wanted them to know this same Jesus that he had just come to know. Please understand, there are many, many great 
commission service things. You don't even have to be on a team. All you got to do is just go out and share somebody. Share with somebody Jesus Christ. And all of a sudden, Holy Spirit's power. Present the gospel to them. You say, I don't really know all that Romans Road stuff like you preachers know. Well, then just simply be a witness. Just tell them how you met Jesus and what a difference Jesus has made in your life. And leave the rest up between them and God the Father and God the Son and God the Holy Spirit. What you will experience, oh my goodness, what you will experience is only one side of the Holy Spirit's power, what you may not ever know is how the Holy Spirit was working in the other guy. Great commission service. It could be a praise team. It could be a a children's ministry team. It could be a teen ministry team. It could be Hope's ministry. I mean, I could just go on and on and on with different ministries of our church. Matter of fact, if a ministry of our church doesn't really wrap around itself in some way of getting the gospel out, it really doesn't have a long shelf life around here. Now, I do understand and I do believe that getting the gospel out will make us aware of issues that we need to be involved in in our culture. I do believe it will make us aware and, and, and compel some to be involved in social justice and, and trying to correct the moral evils that are, that are going on in society around us. I get all of that, and I applaud all of that. But the heart of all of that is sharing the gospel of Jesus Christ. If we're going to reach our city, if we're going to reach our nation, the heart of it has to be sharing the gospel of Jesus Christ. Because that is the only thing that will change a life. You know, one of the reasons that I think mission trips are so impacting and so powerful, I think because it's a great commission service. And for 10 days or one week, ever how long the, the mission trip is, everyone is there for a singular purpose, share the good news of the gospel. And, and the task is so big, and there's language barriers and cultural barriers and, and, and other things to overcome that you realize that unless the Holy Spirit is in it, unless you have the Holy Spirit's power, the message is not going to go out. And so as best you can, whether it's in Costa Rica or just recently a couple of weeks ago when I shared and preached in France and being a guy with poor English Having a translator who speaks French and English better than I do was kind of a daunting task. But when you go forth and you present the message and you're working as a team and you know that the job, the purpose, whether I speak an ounce of Spanish or I speak an ounce of French or I speak an ounce of Russia or, 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 or Telugu in India when I was there. The purpose is you work with folks, you partner with, so that the gospel goes out, so Jesus Christ, the name of Jesus, can be heard, so that God, through the Holy Spirit, can draw men and women, boys and girls, to the saving knowledge of his son, Jesus Christ, so their lives will forever be changed. Then you come home. And the urgency, because you only had 10 days in that country, the intensity because you only had seven days in that village gets lost with just the life and the stuff of living. What changed? Not the Holy Spirit's power, 
but it was our involvement in Great Commission service. I'm telling you, if your spiritual life is, is at a low point, can I just try, let me just tell you something to do. Go witness to somebody. Don't flower it up. God laid you and told me I'll do this. And just, just walk to them and say, you know, I care about you. And I just want to tell you a simple story. I know Jesus is my Savior. Let me tell you how I met him. And I just want you to know he's made a difference in my life. And if you ever need to know how to know Jesus is your Savior, I'm here for you. In fact, if you want to know right now, I'd be glad to share it with you. And I'm telling you. The Holy Spirit shows up. And the overflow of that powerful moment spills over into other areas of your life. But we do it kind of backwards. We want the Holy Spirit to kind of overflow and spill into the witnessing area of our life. And it doesn't work that way. So you got to have faith. You got to be involved in Great Commission service, ministry teams. Doesn't mean you're the main speaker, the main guy. When, when, when I went to Costa Rica last time with the team, team, my job was to play with the kids and, and do a little leadership training and take people from point A to point B to point C to point D. But the gospel was going out and you could just sense the spirit of God moving in those villages. Let me just share the last thing. You got to have love. You got to have the right motivation. A lot of people want the Holy Spirit's power for self-aggrandizement. They, they want to kind of promote themselves. They want to lift themselves up. They want the spotlight on them. And that's not what the Holy Spirit's power is all about. You got to have the right motivation. It's got to be purely for the love of God. And it's just simply you're doing what God says to do. And because you're doing what God says to do, God shows up. In an incredible way. See, God knew that you and I would need his power through the Holy Spirit. God knew that real divine power to change our life only comes through Jesus Christ in conjunction with the Holy Spirit. God knew that we would need power to fix our marriage, deal with our brokenness, move past our past. And that's why today the Holy Spirit might be inviting you, might be inviting you. To know Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. Or if you're a Christian in your heart, is it right where it should be? And you've been looking to this or that and the other, man. Just, just look inward to your own spiritual and, and Christian walk and say, God, forgive me. I'm not where I'm supposed to be. I crave your power, but I'm not doing those things that bring your power. And then I blame you and everybody else for a powerless life. If you're here this morning and you don't know Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, the Holy Spirit is inviting you to the dance floor. He's inviting you to be a part of that, that, that holy motion, that divine dance, so that you get to be a part of that, what God is doing and what God wants to do in your heart and in your life. Would you bow your heads? Would you close?